I've left all of the pronunciation to you. Oh, thanks. The only thing I learned how to pronounce was she. Was she. she. Twelfth of it then. That's it. She. That's all I've learned. <laughs> all the rest of it, I'm, I haven't even written. There's Twatha de Denon. There's loads. There's loads. You can have it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> Once upon a time, there lived a race of creatures. Small in height, seeming to wear the leaves and petals of the local flora as both disguise and in pompous display of color and beauty. These were a bright and brilliant lot with too little space in their hearts to hold more than one intention or emotion at a time. They could be lovely and prone to healing one moment, then wrathful and full of ill intent the next. One day came man with iron tools, blazes of fire, and a cold faith that burned the wee folk. They hid. They hid well and only came out when the moon or the music was right and only to people who had the faith or purity of heart to welcome them. Enter Melanie, raised by storytellers and witches, nerd and fairy enthusiast. Enter Danielle, skeptic, genius, and beautiful Vulcan-human hybrid. <laughs> Welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. Oh, wow. I liked it. I was sucked in there. Yes! Oh, it was good. Boom! Anyway, hi, I'm Melanie, <laughs> your American host, and with me is Danielle, our English one. Yes, hello. <laughs> so before we get into our topic, which I'm pretty sure you can guess what it's about by my uh, uh, thing, my thingy thing that I just read. Intro. Um, uh, yeah, intro, thank you. <laughs> Words. I'm tired, y'all. I am on my, I have to go to work after this and it'll be my eighth day in a row working and I don't get another day off until like three more days, four, yeah. I don't know, it's all one giant lump of time that's sucking my soul away. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> we mentioned briefly only to look at the end result as the um, as the positive here, yeah. as in the extra dosh and the favours that will be owed to you. Delicious overtime, ladies. Yes, I love those bills. Okay. Um so, Danielle, do we have any uh, updates? Um, yeah, update. Danielle forgot to draw the winner of the prize, and we were going to do that, but we haven't yet. So we'll do it later. I don't know. We'll do it at some point. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. By the time this episode comes out, I'm sure we'll have have pulled a winner. Yeah. So us in the future, I'm sorry, listeners in the, no, I'm not even, I don't care anymore. Listeners of the future, we apologize for the delay that we've probably already handled by the time you listen to this episode. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, the prize is ready to go. We've got, we've, I've pretty much, I think I've got a pretty accurate list. I just need you to confirm that I've got from everywhere. I think I have. And then we'll draw, and then we'll announce it on social media. So It'll be excellent. It'll be fun. Thank you to everybody who left a review, um, and thank you to anyone in the future that leaves a review. So if you're listening to this six months after the fact, like we would still really like to hear your review. <laughs> We'd um, still really appreciate it if you left us a review. Would would thank you very kindly. Yes, yes, we desperately want your validation. So. 
That would be grand. We might run another competition. Who knows? Yeah, probably. I can't see why not. Update. We will at some point, hopefully, maybe figure out a way to do it, but we have really great Christmas plans. As we get closer to the holidays, it is going to be harder for us to record and edit and do this whole thing. So December's a, December's a rocky month for us podcast-wise. But we do have something in the works. We'll announce it on all the social medias when we figure it out exactly how we're going to do it. But just brace yourselves. There will be treats to make up for our lack of consistency. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, we have big plans. <laughs> big see. plans. We'll see how it goes. Yes. Pray for us, really, is what it comes down to. Pray for us so that we can do this nice thing for you. Uh, because it's it, it'll be good. <laughs> and it'll be most importantly spooky spooky um so yes as far as the thing today do you want to do you want to start no you go first and i'll see if it inspires me so i'm I am too tired to have a good thing. I, 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 I am I am exhausted. I, like I said before, I've been working a lot. So as much as I'm full of optimism and, and good vibes, which I absolutely am, um, I'm going to do a purge this week because fuck it. Um, and my purge this week is, you know when you're playing games on your phone mm-hmm. and you get those little ads and they're like those ads you can play? You know, where you're in jail and uh, you got to break out. What do you use? A spoon, a hacksaw, or a, a chicken bone, something like that. Okay. They never play like the actual games. And I know we all know this, but I hate it. Mm. Because the little games that they have me play in those advertisements look fun. Uh, like, I've played friggin' fish, the fish tank game and it is nothing like the playable ads that they have and i'm all why why are you lying to people these ads are lying to people and i hate it okay that's it sorry wow i want to play the games that they're advertising and that's not what they're that's not what they are and to be honest with you i've never clicked through those sort of game ads because i've always just thought of them as scams well there's a lot of really fun games out there but i'm also like my anxiety has been up, so when my anxiety goes up, I, I dive into video games. If it's not, like, video game on my console, then it's little dumb phone, phone games. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so, and they have those fucking ads all the time, and the, the ads are just completely different, and it's bothersome. I feel betrayed, and I don't feel like I'm alone. They're just swindling people. Similarly, I get, when I'm anxious and when I'm sort of emotionally fragile i spend a lot of time on a couple of these like apps that you order things from china from so you can get really cheap shit but it takes like three or four weeks for them to get to you so by the time the stuff actually gets to you you're not in the mood for them anymore (laughs) (laughs) but you've spent like 12 pounds on like random rings and stuff that you can wear three times before they turn your finger green so similarly, you feel a bit duped there as well, because you know the quality of the items once they show up is going to be really quite poor. Yeah, you're already aware of the fact that you're buying Cuck. junk. Yeah. yeah. But side note, if your ring turns green, clear coat nail polish on the inside of it should fix that for you. 
Yeah, thanks. I've always, I've often wondered, you know, sorry, I've often thought to do that, especially ones that I like, but just have never done it. Yeah, do it. So totally worth it. I've never sat and painted the inside of all my nail, my all my rings, but yeah. Worth it. Cool. As someone who sells jewelry, it's just, you know, pro tip. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. I will try it. <laughs> so my one pound pieces of Chinese cack can last just a little bit longer. Exactly. Preserve me- that junk. Preserve that junk. Make that junk last as long as possible. Exactly. You earned it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm <laughs> Shall I do a little thing? Do a thing. Thingify me. Okay, sure. I'm sad because I'm in love with a fictional character. Oh, I feel that. Mm. I feel that so hard. I'm sad also because I'm in love with a fictional character from 20 years ago. Is it who I think it is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're I, we're both in that same boat. <laughs> He's the perfect man. Yeah, he really is. All right, you guys want to know who it is, listeners? <laughs> Danielle, lay it on us. It's Data from The Next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also have a mad crush on Q. But Data, I want Data so hard, it hurts. It's I actually, like, physically can't stand it sometimes. Yeah. No, it, it, it's it's aching. Same thing with there's this anime called um, Black Butler. And I'm sure everybody's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows Black Butler. But he is so hot. And I'm angry about it stop it and no it's it's infuriating on a number of levels firstly that he's fictional secondly that it was it's not even a timely crush in any way and also because the guy who plays him spinner yeah he's like old now yes <laughs> ruined the uh, the <laughs> illusion there so much illusion ruined. Data's but, not supposed to age. No, I wonder how they explain it in in Picard, because that's going to come out soon, isn't it? Yeah. So, little side note for our listeners: me and Danielle have been binging the shit <laughs> out of um, Next Generation, yeah. Star Trek, and I I've surpassed you by a lot. I'm yes, pretty you, sure. Yeah, you have overtaken me. I started it months before you. Yeah. And you've overtaken me by about a season and a half now? Yeah, I'm like on season six or something. I'm... It's insane. <laughs> I can't, I think I'm like five, five or six episodes into series five. Yeah, I'm on season six, episode 11. Okay, this, okay, you have to understand, when it's slow at work, I'm, and I'm polishing jewelry and I have like nothing to do. I'm doing something with my hands. I'm keeping busy. I'm, I'm working. Paul, if you're listening, I'm working. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also watching like six straight hours of Star Trek. Or when I'm washing dishes, I'm watching Star Trek. Or, you know, it is, it's constant. So I'm averaging like six to eight episodes of Star Trek a day. <laughs> it's gross, you guys. It's gross. I don't it's, it's an addiction. On Tuesday, I had a day off of uni. And I was like, right, I'm going to use this day very wisely. And I'm going to do some research. And I'm going to get together some shit. And I had a plan. But 
I literally sat for seven hours and watched episode after episode after episode. And inside I was going, I must catch up to Melanie. I must catch up to Melanie. I must. So I just started like, did I at one point start like live um, WhatsApping you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, during the the like really pivotal data moments. Yes, yes, it was during it was the the episode where um they they meet up with Spock. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got all emotional. She got really emotional, you guys. But you gotta understand, like I've never been a Trekkie, and and now I am, and. Mm-hmm. This is like not even a oh my god, I like Star Trek, I'm such a Trekkie. Like, no 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 I'm I'm in I'm love. a Trekkie right now. Yeah. I'm no when when Spock shows up, I had to pause it because I was in hysterics crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> when he mind melts with Picard. I know it's so that cool. you could know his dad a bit better. <laughs> I just lost it. Craig, you guys. Honestly, if you've never seen The Next Generation, it's so good. It's so good. It's always perfect television. And season five, I think, is my favorite season so far. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. And Data is just the best. I'm I'm just in love with him. I dream about him often. Yeah, me and Danielle had a really great conversation about who would be a better lay, Data, or his, um, I guess for lack of a better word, twin brother? Yeah. Yeah. Lore, who is emotionally unstable, just kind of a psychopath, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good conversation. We really thought about many, many different aspects, as you know, we weighed up quite a few pros and cons on both sides. I think we both came to the same conclusion, though, hundred percent data. The data would be, I, I still really think that lore would make a really great fuck. But um, Data, like you, you mentioned, he he would just have so much knowledge on how to please you in all these different ways. And I just want both at the same time. And so we were trying to figure out whether that would be a conundrum for the morality of Data. Anyway, it's a big thing. We could go on and on and on about <laughs> Star Trek. We should have a Star Trek episode. We'd just fucking glue all over the all over the airwaves. But yeah, I feel it's you. Fun, it's a fun new world. It's a fun new world. I'm so glad that I've got so much laid out ahead of me so that I can be on this journey for so much longer. But I'm also sad that like, I'm going to have to say goodbye to Picard and Data and everything soon. So I don't want to. I don't want to let him go. <laughs> I know. It's like when you fall in love with the doctor and all of a sudden you have to deal with a new doctor. And you're going to love it, but you just got to like, some, there's some transitional pains there. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. All right. so shall we breathe out the negative the ooky and breathe in the good yeah yeah i'm gonna yeah yeah on the count of three one two three (sighs) i'm still sad that date is not real i know i know so danielle what is our topic this week so this week's topic is fairies. So I'll just dive straight in and give you guys a little background and a little definition here. So according to the Merriam-Webster 
Very simply, a fairy is a mythical being of folklore and romance, usually having diminutive human form and magical powers. Um, according to Dictionary.com, in folklore, one of a class of supernatural beings generally conceived as having a diminutive human form and possessing magical powers with which they intervene with human affairs. So going a little bit more into it, we've got good old Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So this is pulled pretty much from the article there, but kind of tweaked and... Um, Daniellified. Re- Daniellified, yeah. A fairy is a type of mythical being or legendary creature in European folklore, and particularly Celtic, Slavic, German, English or French folklore. It is a form of spirit often described as metaphysical, supernatural or pre or preternatural, I should say, which basically means spiritual, otherworldly and suspended between the mundane and the miraculous. Ethereal. Early modern fairies do not derive from a single origin. The term is a conflation of disparate elements from folk belief sources influenced by literature and speculation. Various folk theories about the origins of fairies have included casting them as either demoted angels or demons in a Christian version or as minor deities in pre-Christian pagan belief systems or even as spirits of the dead possibly as prehistoric precursors to humans or as elementals. Yeah. The historical origins include various traditions of a, this term I have never used to describe native British people, but Wikipedia, Wikipedia has introduced me, um, Brythonic, which apparently includes Bretons, Welsh, Cornish people. Brythonic, yeah. never heard of it before. It's problematic because of the way that people talk about ethnicity but we won't go into that in this episode but essentially it's like the people of the british isles including the gaelic traditions irish scots manx and germanic people and then also of middle french like french medieval romance so it's kind of like all um smorgasbord The label of fairy has at times applied only to specific magical creatures with human appearance, small stature, magical powers, and a penchant for trickery. However, at other times it has been used to describe any magical creature, such as goblins or gnomes. Trolls. So, yeah, trolls, uh, hobgoblins. Mm -hmm. Fairy has at times been used with a meaning equivalent to enchanted or magical such as fairy knight, fairy queen. So it just basically means they're enchanted or magical. And also became a generic term for any enchanted creatures during the late Middle English period, which is like sort of late medieval. Fairies are generally described as human in appearance and having magical powers. The fairies of small variety have been reported throughout the centuries, ranging from quite tiny, no specific tininess, to the size of a human child. These small sizes could be magically assumed rather than a constant. That doesn't really make any sense. I, anyway, that's a copy-paste job. <laughs> <laughs> Some smaller fairies could expand their figures and imitate humans. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably go into it a little bit later, but uh, a lot of fairies are just basically, they look like people. They're not small in any way. On Orkney, fairies are described as short in stature, dressed in dark grey and sometimes seen in armour. 
And in some folklore, fairies have green eyes. Some depictions of fairies show them with footwear, or there is barefoot. So the appearance varies. Wings, while common in Victorian and later artworks, are rare in the folklore. Yeah. Fairies flew by means of magic and sometimes perched on uh, the stems of different kinds of um, like herbs and trees, and as well as on the back of birds. And the model, modern illustrations often include dragonfly or butterfly wings, but those are quite new. The Victorian era and Edwardian era saw a heightened increase in the interest in fairies, and the Celtic revival cast fairies as part of Ireland's cultural heritage. Then Disney and modern retellings of fairy tales gets us to the present day fairy, which is pretty far removed from the original, but still has its roots in um, the folklore of basically the Britons. Yeah. So that's the background, really. Um, without going into too many examples, uh, I tried to. I only said the one. I could have probably done without it. But anyway, now you can. <laughs> can you beguile us with some fairy tales? Well, so, I mean, there's there's a, there's so much. It's super fun. Um, I went in a little bit to the the demoted angels theory. Mm-hmm. I, to, I thought that was really fun. So some believe that fairies were a class of demoted angels. One story described a group of angels revolting, and God ordered the gates of heaven to be shut. Those still in heaven remained as angels. Those in hell became demons, and those caught in between became fairies. Others note that some angels, not being godly enough, yet not evil enough for hell, were thrown out of heaven to become fairies. Um, yeah, 19th century English theosophists believed in a more angelic aspect of fairies. So about 19th century is when you started having the the idea that they, they help the plants grow and that they have healing properties. And that's when it became a little bit more commonplace to leave things out to invite them into your garden, invite them into your home. Whereas before, for the most part, you just wanted them not near you. Mm-hmm. Um, fairies were more likely to uh, to wreak havoc than than to be kind to you. Yeah, um, they did, they weren't fond of people. No. Oh. Uh, well, they 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 didn't care, and they just kind of saw us as creatures to steal from, for the most part, and they thought we were funny, and it was funny to mess with us. One reason why spirits of the dead is a prevalent thought as to them being the origins of fairies is because the Irish she were said to live in ancient burial mounds. Mm-hmm. And because that's where they lived, they must clearly have been the spirits of our dead. But one of my favorite theories about fairies, and it's actually pre- prevalent in a lot of different um, countries. It's, it's prevalent in uh, Japan, Africa, um, Alaskan territories. You have the concept of a hidden people which is a race of beings that have gone virtually extinct or near enough extinct that they, they hid themselves away to become to avoid becoming extinct. Okay. Um, so well, they kind of like mermaids, kind of like mermaids. Yeah. So they're, they, they're not human. They never were human. They're human in form only, but they have that magic, those magical powers. Um, the, she and the Twatha Danat, Twatha Danan, um, are believed to be an entirely separate race. The, I believe it was the Tuatha Dé Danann were thought to come to uh, Ireland before man did, and and it's their their land. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they're they're just a complete 
completely separate race. And, and I thought that was kind of a fun thing, like an early man kind of race. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a whole bunch of different kinds of fairies down because uh, they're fun. I thought that since we're coming up on the holiday season, and when I when I speak of fairies, when I think of fairies, I think of all, I, I encompass all of them, the, the whole umbrella of fae folk. So that includes the goblins and the gremlins and the the uh, trolls and the ogres and all of that. Because, Do you know what I like to think of it as? Hmm. Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think that that is fairyland. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all the different creatures and critters of, of the film Labyrinth. I think Labyrinth is an incredibly accurate um, retelling of fairy folklore. Well, and the the artist who designed a lot of the creatures and, and Muppets and the art uh, concept art for Labyrinth, Brian Froud, mm-hmm. is my favorite fairy artist. And he is one of those people that you can tell really does believe in fairies. Oh. His his love and passion for fairies is just beautiful. I've got a couple of his books. I'm a huge Brian Froud fan. Uh, he's actually my quote for this week. Oh, that's cool. How cool. <clears throat> uh, so, but because I'm I'm covering the whole gamut, uh, I wanted to bring up my little Christmas fairy. Oh, is it Santa? <laughs> no. These are called the Calacanzoroi. Okay. Yes. Uh, Stories about the Calacanzoroi or its equivalents can be found in Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, and Cyprus. So it's predominantly more Greece, Italy, that zone. They're mostly believed to be small, black, hairy creatures, mostly blind with a tail, and mostly male because their penises are hanging out. They sometimes have been told to have distinctly animal characteristics like goat's ears, horse's legs, boar's tusks. Um, They're known to speak with a lisp, and they love to eat frogs, worms, and other small creatures. In Greek mythology, it's believed that the Kalikantzoroi stay underground, sawing the world tree so that it will collapse, along with the earth. However, according to folklore, when they are about to saw that final part of the tree and take the whole planet down... Christmas dawns, and they're able to come to the surface. They forget the tree and come and bring trouble to mortals, basically breaking into houses, throwing your food around, tearing your presents apart, just being real a-holes, shattering everything. Then finally, on the Epiphany, which is January 6th, the sun starts moving again, and they must return underground to continue their sawing. But at that point, the tree has healed itself. So the whole cycle begins again. I like them. They're cute. That's a very strange story. Like yeah, it. but it's it's an old one. It's it's one that they've believed in for at least 300, four, yeah, 300 years, I believe. Three, four hundred years. Um, another one I really liked was the Fuka or Puka. Okay. And this is, this is actually a horse. Generally an Irish phantom horse, its main claim to fame was tricking children into getting on its back and then jumping off of cliffs. Is this the one that's sticky? No, I don't think it is. Yeah, there was a sticky horse, wasn't there? It was like made of uh, goo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and all you have to do is accidentally touch it, and that will take you into the water. Oh, yeah, that's it's a, 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 um, oh, not sisky, something like something like that. Um, yeah. Kelpie. Kelpie. Oh, it's not a kelpie. Kelpie. oh yeah, oh, you're right. Kelpie horses. Yep. 
Absolutely. We read so much folklore, <laughs> they all start to amalgamate into one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, no, Kelpie horses are cool because, well, Kelpies are... Because um... they're a part of the fairy world, aren't they? Absolutely. Thank you, I feel vindicated. <laughs> Kelpies are much like mermaids in the sense that they, they just want to drown humans. Um, it's a horse with like a fish's tail. Mm. And uh, I think it's mainly there to sort of explain when you when you feel that 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 uh, seaweed or, or those plants underwater just touching you and you just want to fucking run. Um, also, I think it's a way of keeping children from touching people's horses that they don't know. That's fair, too. Because that's the whole thing about fairy tales is that fairy tales are morality stories and they're supposed to teach us something about ourselves and how to be good people. And that's the good thing about fairy tales. So. But, yeah, no, no, fairy tales were, were um, cautionary tales, if anything. And that was one of my favorite things about my um, uh, children's literature class. Yeah. Was was learning about that and how, how every single story was a cautionary tale. And if it wasn't a cautionary tale, it was, about, it was telling you about how to be um, good at being a woman. So you had to sing and you had to be beautiful and you had to have, you know, be able to sew things. And that's what made you a worthwhile human. Yeah. Cautionary tales, um, instructions on how to human, and then also wish, wishful thinking. Yeah. So, but I'm, I talk about that a little bit in my, uh, in my section, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I always like to try to think of what's the simplest explanation for something. So the Kelpie to me is like, just don't go touching people's horses. Like, number one, rule. (laughs) Like, don't put an umbrella inside. It's just rude. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't put your shoes on a table. It's just kind of gross. It's gross. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, tell me more fairy stories. Well, I mean, we can't do fairies without discussing changelings. No, no. That's like the scary thing that has been written out of modern fairies. Yeah. Which used to be their predominant feature. The predominant feature, exactly. So when it came to fairies, um, there was just this understanding that they would come into your house, they would play tricks, um, and one of their favorite things to do is to steal your children and replace them with fairy children. Although some people, some some stories say that they're replacing them with the the aged and dying fairies so Mm. that they could live out their last few lives as like a beautiful human baby, which is why they only ever stole beautiful human babies. Okay. Yeah. Um, The main reason why we have these changeling ideas is because roughly in that time, I think it was about 16th century uh, when we started hearing more and more about fairy changeling baby stealing accounts children were dying in a large in an alarming numbers yes you know infanticide was not uncommon but it was also had to be explained away for the sake of everybody's mental health if your baby was deformed or or sickly it was a burden on the household and for the most part it was easier to say oh clearly our baby's been stolen and replaced with a changeling let's just leave it to die and that's what a lot of people did. Mm, yeah. Also, I think, you know, as a mother of two, that there's a point at which a baby stops being a baby and starts being more 
their personality suddenly shows they stop mm-hmm. being like just kind of like a sponge of of absorption of everything around them and they start to actually exhibit their own personality and i think that there's a point there where you could say what the fuck is this this is not my baby if yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. know any better you would think that the personality change in your little uh little offspring has uh, has been artificially induced. Uh, it's that sort of idea that um, certain mental illnesses and disabilities actually trigger later in your infant's life as well. So suddenly you could notice basically that your kid's not developing properly. Um, yeah. And to explain that, you could very feasibly say that it's not your baby. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a changeling, which is really sad, but completely... Uh, within the context of the shitty lives that people were living, really, it's completely understandable. Yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, if you're barely surviving anyway, and suddenly you have your son is displaying signs of uh, autism and is very vocal, and what is being seen as very problematic, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, uh, demon or fairy, this this was not this is not a human child, this was never mine. Mm. Well, that was sad, but they did it a lot. I mean, it, that is probably one of the most predominant fairy tales is, is in in actual fairy tales, not the, the Beauty and the Beast and Sleeping Beauty kind of fairy tales, but stories of fairies. They were predominantly about changelings, also of fairies disguising themselves as human women and uh, seducing men yeah. and uh, stealing their blood, stealing their life force, stealing their, their livelihood. And again, much like with, uh, what was the other episode we did? Vampires. It's a whole lot of don't trust women, they'll steal everything you have. Yeah, there's the infamous Irish one where this guy who was basically a piece of shit accused his wife of being a changeling simply because she wouldn't take his shit. She just wouldn't do whatever he told her whenever he told her to do it. So because she had like... Basically, because she was a strong, independent woman. Yeah. He accused her of being a changeling, and they tortured her twice. Yeah. Tortured her until she admitted that she was a fairy. It was. Uh, I didn't go too much into that one because I think that it's been covered in other podcasts and other sort of YouTubey typey things. But yeah, people were accused of being changelings as well. They were also accused of. Um, helping the fairies kidnap babies mm-hmm. crimes were blamed on fairies uh, crimes were better were blamed on the belief in fairies so if you beat someone up saying but then said oh um fairy made me do it. the fairies made me do it yeah like it was a bit of a cop-out but it's because they were properly believed in they were they were so real to to people of a certain time, particularly Irish, um, so much so that even when Christianity came along, it was integrated into Christian beliefs rather than um, expelled from. There's yeah. priests that believe in fairies and, and stuff. So, yeah, and I mean, I've heard tales because I have, um, I've got a couple friends who visit their family out, out in Ireland, and they they say that um, it's not uncommon for them to leave out a small dish of milk or for them to leave out a small piece of sweet bread. For the fairies, um, but they don't discuss it. They probably yeah. discuss it more now, but but yeah, like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and and obviously way before that, uh, you didn't discuss it. You could f- still do your practices, but you didn't discuss why you did it, because or else that would be heresy. 
Yeah, my nan had things like that. Um, for those of you who don't know me very well, my nan was from Audran in County Donegal. So uh, my mum is first generation English. So my nan was Irish and my ancestry goes back Irish on my nan's side for many, many, many generations. And she's from a very superstitious part of Ireland. And she still would say things like that one's for the fairies or, you know, uh, if something was moved from where she thought it was going to be, she would say that a fairy moved it or the pixies. But she had different ones that she would blame for different things. Mm -hmm. So you could tell it was all in her head. She never really talked about it. Like I never sat down and talked to her about it, I don't think. But there was a definite um, uh, different different things that she said and did for different types of fairies yeah um and she had things in her garden that were for fairies yeah so like toads not toadstools um i guess toadstools but she'd get like wooden like sculptures that would go in garden that were that were for them to sit on oh yeah absolutely absolutely and i have a whole thing um because i want to hear your thing and then if we have more time, I'll, I'll go into more more fairies. But I have a whole thing on how to please fairies, how to invite them into your home, and what to do and what not to do if you encounter them. So I'll bring that up near the end. Before I get into too many, I because I, I wrote down like 15. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to hear what you got. Okay. So I I found an article called Bewitched by an Elf Dart. Fairy Archaeology, Folk Magic and Traditional Medicine in Ireland. And it's by someone called Marianne Dowd. And it's really, really good. And I paraphrase and and I sort of copy pasted quite a lot of it. But I'm going to take you through a journey about how landscape and artifacts can have two completely different interpretations. uh, One being magical and one being mundane. So we're going to go into that. Um, If you're ready. Yes. Okay. So, folk magic and folk medicine practices that involved the use of archaeological artefacts have been documented across much of Northwest Europe, including Scotland, England, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Germany, and Estonia. The most common phenomena included the interpretation of Neolithic and Bronze Age flint arrowheads as fairy darts that were both the cause and cure of illnesses, particularly in animals, and the belief that prehistoric polished stone axes were thunderbolts that fell to earth during a lightning strike and could safeguard the family home. In Ireland, there is a plentiful archaeological and folkloric evidence for the use of prehistoric artefacts in folk magic and medicine. Objects and monuments are often interpreted by archaeologists as inactive or dead because they are objects from the distant past, monuments of vanished societies and forgotten cultures. However, to the people of Ireland, the non-academic, the non-scholarly and the non-sciencey people of Ireland, mm-hmm. these objects were far from dead or inactive. They were evidence of a non-human, magical, supernatural race that live amongst humans in the past and in the present and that these artefacts and monuments were still as powerful now as ever. Within folk tradition, archaeological artefacts were not for display and study, but possessed real curative properties that had the potential to safeguard livestock and the home. These artefacts did not belong to long-gone cultures, but to the ever-present she. Mm-hmm. The earliest documentary reference of the she dates to the 17th century, 
though by this time it was already an archaic term. The term she can refer to the hills or prehistoric mounds that were inhabited by supernatural beings, but more predominantly refers to the actual supernatural beings themselves and to the peaceful and prosperous quality of life in the other world. The she were known by a wide variety of names, including a bunch of things that I'm not going to try to pronounce, and instead I'm going to use the <laughs> the, the, the um, uh, translation, the good people, the gentry, the little people, the fairy host, and the people of the hills, or simply them, because it is unlucky to refer to fairies by their name. Mm-hmm. As English became the dominant language of Ireland from the 18th century, the Irish word was replaced by the word fairy, though this is not an accurate approximation, particularly considering the modern popular meaning of the word. So she is still correct, basically. Yeah. Traditionally, several explanations were provided as to the origin of the she. They were usually believed to be fallen angels, like you said, who had been cast out from heaven by God and lived amongst humans in the hope that they would someday return to heaven. Some stayed in the air, Others went to land and more inhabited the sea. These fallen angels were not good enough to be saved, nor bad enough to be lost, placing them very much in the liminal zone. So that's what you said earlier. The she were normally invisible, though they lived parallel lives to humans. They kept cows, enjoyed whiskey, hurling, Gaelic football, music, Mm -hmm. singing and dancing. They liked gold, milk and tobacco, hate iron, so, by the way, iron implements, also defense against fairies. Yes. Like yeah. like vampires. Uh, they also hate fire, salt, urine, and Christianity. <laughs> Just tagged on the end there. There's a lot of fairies that would fuck with the clergy very specifically. Yes. They, they, they have a penchant for tricking priests. Yeah. Accounts vary as to their size. They could be larger than humans, smaller, or of equal stature. In one account from County Donegal, like where my nan's from, male fairies were described as wearing blue breeches and red red caps, while their female counterparts wore green dresses. And they were all about three quarters of a metre in height, which is uh, about a yard tall. Okay. The fairies carried out a similar range of domestic and agricultural activities as undertaken by humans. They could assume the appearance of an animal and hares in particular were considered fairies in disguise. And there was plentiful evidence of the existence of the she in the human world, including unexplained maladies, accidents, spoiled food, poor harvest and bad luck. Anyway, I've gone into a lot of background about the she there, but it was just to give you a sort of idea of where I'm going with the archaeology of the she. But uh, the evidence of malevolent and occasionally benevolent she activities were regularly noted by communities and recounted in oral tradition, particularly if humans interfered with a fairy place, such as a prehistoric burial carn or an early medieval ring fort settlement. The she provided an explanation for difficult life events, calamities and experiences, and in many ways represented the daily anxieties experienced by the millions of poor tenant farmers and labourers in Ireland, who were never too far removed from the prospect of starvation, poverty and eviction. While other fairy stories, however, reflect wishful thinking, which is what I talked about 
a little bit, which is like prolific cows, food mysteriously appearing, purses never without money, magical powers are acquired, or erotic love between fairy women and mortal men. So we've got this world of fairy tales, right? And into the world of stories is the actual tangible shit that i'm going to talk about now so the archaeology of the she so how do you study fairies archaeologically well the she are not simply a concept physical evidence of it of them are all around place names the landscape natural features and the archaeological monuments support the belief in the closeness of the fairy realm to the human world Certain archaeological monuments were, are strongly associated with the Xi, particularly the early medieval ring fort. For example, an early medieval ring fort at Abbey Town, County Slingo, archaeologically known as Ringfort SL021-159, <laughs> the site is known locally as, a fairy, as the Fairy Fort. A man who fenced off the monument and put his corn inside found the whole crop destroyed the following day. Another farmer put his cow in the fort, and that night a local woman saw three fairies digging the cow's grave. The cow died the following day. So nice. they totally believe that. I don't know. A more recent folktale tells of a man who developed a sore arm after digging in the ring fort. Sounds like archaeology problems to me. <laughs> There is also a story of a man who could not find his way out of the fort and so turned his jacket inside out, put it on, and immediately found himself outside the fort. I have heard yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So this oh. is Ringfort SL021-159. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Approximately 45,000 Ringfort settlements have been documented across the Irish landscape, the vast majority of which have fallen out of, had fallen out of use by the end of the 12th century. For the farming population of post-medieval and modern Ireland, ring forts were strongly associated with the fairies and were more commonly referred to as fairy forts. And yeah. you will still hear them calling them fairy forts today. These monuments were, were where the fairies, not humans, resided. Many were individually named for their supernatural associations, such as... Oh, I don't <laughs> know if I can say this. Lisfair Biganagon, no. Holy. Ring Fort in County Clare. Which, <laughs> um, which translates to the Fort of the Little Men Playing Hurling, which is so nice. cute. Nice. Venturing into a ring fort was generally discouraged and was particularly ominous for pregnant women. Yes. Houses or farm buildings should not be constructed between ring forts nor on the route of a fairy path. Even today, farmers, machine contractors, and landowners will sometimes say that they would not destroy a ring fort because of a belief that it would bring bad luck, not because it's illegal under the National Monuments Act of 1930. That's what we <laughs> would say, but now it's, they, yeah. As recently as 2017, an Irish independent politician for the Kerry constituency, uh, Danny Haley Ray, claimed that the reason the N22 a relatively new national primary road in the south of Ireland, repeatedly collapsed despite having been repaired numerous times was because, quote, there are numerous ferry forts in that area. I know that they, the road problems and the ring forts, are linked. Anyone that tampered with them, the ring forts, back over the years paid a high price and had bad luck. There was something in those places. 
you shouldn't touch. So he is quoted as saying that in 2017. Now, he was kind of made fun of a little bit, but he did not take his statements back. The article goes on into... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Stick to your guns, mate. Fuck yeah. Okay, so that's where I'm going to kind of leave it in terms of the forts. The article goes on into more examples of ring fort beliefs and includes more monuments like Neolithic tombs, Bronze Age burial cairns and medieval castles. But I'm going to skip over them to talk about the arrow bolts because they're fun. Real, real quick. So that's how you pronounce it's pronounced cairns? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I always read it and I want to say cairns. I think both are correct, actually. Cairns okay. and cairns. I th- I've heard them used inter- interchangeably. All right. Good. Yay. Okay. Carry on. Oh, right. yeah. Elf stones. Elf shots. Elf darts. Fairy darts. Sakhid. And geishi are all terms used to describe not only natural pebbles, unusual stones, but but prehistoric lithics, in particular Neolithic and Bronze Age arrowheads. Now, it is important to note that there is no clear distinction between naturally occurring elf shots or elf stones and archaeological ones. Often the term is used interchangeably between the two. And no one is more powerful or potent than the other, though natural pebbles are more common. Essentially, any distinctive or unusual items that were encountered, whether geological or archaeological, had the potential to be interpreted as pertaining to the Xi and therefore possessing supernatural properties. In a letter dated 1684, a Church of Ireland clergyman mentioned a woman who possessed a fairy dart that she used to ensure the safe deliveries of babies. Though these objects are more commonly associated with use on animals. So it's basically you've got yourself a cunning woman who's helping people give birth to babies yeah. and she's using an, a fairy dart as a charm. Yeah. Uh, Late medieval medical manuscripts also contain many references to the bewitching of cattle by Elfshot. The prevailing belief was that the she shot arrows, darts or other objects at cattle and occasionally humans, resulting in illness or death. The animal or person could then be acquired by the fairies and carried into the supernatural realm. Yeah, the fairies were big into kidnapping. Yes. In humans... The fairy stroke, also known as fairy blast or elf shot, could manifest as partial paralysis, sore eyes, skin trouble, a sudden fall or injury, unexplained lameness, deafness, loss of speech, fainting or swelling. Many illnesses in livestock were interpreted as evidence that an animal had been elf shot. Lesions provided proof that a fairy dart had pierced the skin of an animal and foretold a worsening condition or death. The fairy stroke could be counteracted by certain ritual acts, charms and prayers, and the same elf stones that cause the illness also had the potential to provide a cure. In Black Sod Bay, County Mayo, if an animal was shot, a wise man passed a fairy dart three times over and under the beast while reciting suitable incantations. Elsewhere, an ailing animal could be restored to good health by drinking water into which a prehistoric arrowhead had been placed. Hmm. And there is actually evidence on arrowheads that their colour has been dis- uh, sort of 
their color has been distorted, has changed, yeah. because they've been boiled in water so many times. Oh, cool. A Neolithic flint hollow scraper, known by its owner as an elfstone, was used in County Cavan in the following manner. Quote, After a cow had calved, for the first three milkings, the farmer put into the pail this elfstone and a sixpence. He also plucked ten white thorns, threw the tenth away, and put the nine into the pail. This was to save the milk from being bewitched. That's a lot of superstitions upon superstitions upon superstitions there. I love taking, it. I love it so much. Yeah, taking no chances. Now. And finally, an early Bronze Age barbed and tanged arrowhead from uh, County Antrim was similarly used in the 19th century to cure various cattle mel- um, cattle ail- ailments. To restore human health, a saghid was placed in a tumbler which was then filled with water and drunk by the patient. Health was restored if the fairies had been responsible for the illness, but if ill health continued, this indicated that the malaise was not fairy-related. So... They had a little get-out-of-jail-free card there, anyway. (laughs) So here we have archaeological objects and prehistoric landscapes representing two totally different worlds. To archaeologists, this is the study of our human ancestors and their material culture. To the farm folk of Ireland, they are magical objects and supernatural places where fairies dwell and powerful energies are harnessed. And I say to you that it's interesting that these two should be considered mutually exclusive. Anyway, that's just a thought for another day. Sorry, I don't have time to go into Thunderstones. We'll have to save them for another day, but Thunderstones are fun too. But that's <laughs> Archaeology of fairies. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good archaeological article. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so since we're we're running low on time, let me just do a really quick how to treat, respect, and honor your fairies. Yes. So I asked my my boyfriend, I asked my mom, you know, what what are kind of fairy things that you would want to know about? And my boyfriend in particular wanted to know how to please appease, honor, and respect the fae folk. He doesn't really believe in them himself, but he knows that I do. I do, and I go to weird lengths to make sure that my home is a safe place for the wee folk. So here are a few do's and don'ts when it comes to fairies. So firstly, like I mentioned, fairies can be both malignant and kind, but they, like ghosts for the most part, will respect a boundary when put in place specifically for them. So when inviting fae folk into your home or garden, it's important to make sure that you make an audible declaration. Or if you want to be extra cute, you can like put up an actual sign. It says saying something to long, along the lines of, this is a safe place for all creatures of good intent. Evil entities are not welcome here. It is beneficial to put out small bits of sweet bread or fruits. Make sure that the fruits are washed and they have not been treated with any kind of uh, insecticide or anything like that. Basically, if a bug eats it, a fairy won't eat it. If a, bu- if a bug won't eat it, a fairy won't eat it. Particularly peaches. They love peaches. Is that true? Is peaches particular? Yes. Oh, that's so That's cute. why in Labyrinth they make her eat a peach to forget. It's fairy food. <laughs> I love it. Sorry. <laughs> Um, do, 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 do. It is also common to put a bit of milk, water, ale, or mead into a thimble outside for the fairies to drink. You could put them in a small dish, but a thimble is best because, like bees, you know, you don't want them to fall in and drown. 
Yeah, they can pick up a thimble. Yeah. You can also leave small bits of shinies out for them. Bits of crystal, shiny glass, tinsel, marbles, or coins. Um, fairy houses are my uh, are something I absolutely love. You can buy them prefab, but I think it's best, and the fairies definitely respect and appreciate it if you make it yourself out of twigs, leaves, whatever you can find around on walks. Like, if you can go out on a walk and pick up all the little bits and bobs that you would need to make a fairy house, that is, that's what you do. That's the best way to do it. Fairies are like, thank you for going that extra mile. But my favorite are fairy doors. So for the most part, most people want fairies in their gardens because we have this belief that fairies are will help our plants grow, will keep pests out, um, just super beneficial in general. Uh, but if you want to go that little extra step and invite them into your home, you put in a fairy door. And a fairy door is basically a little door, and you mount it to the outside of your home. And that lets the fairies know that that's a safe place for them to come in and out of your house. I have a few of them. I love them. <laughs> They're my favorites. They're my prized possessions. Uh, so bringing a fairy into your house can be beneficial to bringing luck, just extra magic in general, good fortune. And if you're very, 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 very lucky, which I am not, but if you are, you might bring in some brownies. Brownies are excellent because brownies will come in and they'll wash up your dishes and they'll clean your shoes and they'll, they'll vacuum your carpet. No, they won't do that. But they come in and they clean up, they tidy up, and uh, generally very handy to have around the house. Um, there are also fairy sigils that can be painted on flags, boards, or in chalk on the floor, which are great welcome gestures as well. But keep a clean home, particularly your kitchen, because a messy kitchen is the ultimate turnoff for a fairy. They will not enter, and more importantly, they'll look at you as if you are disgusting. Mm. Yeah, that is just like offensive to them. This is a messy kitchen. The first don't I have on my list is something that you can do and don't actually have to interact with the fairy first. You want to avoid keeping tools made of iron by your doors or windows. It's like a threat. It's like waving a gun at them. Um, it's also believed to be very painful to fairies. Now I was trying to figure out like why iron is painful to fairies. And I think it comes back to Pliny the Elder who used iron for healing, for like medicine. Okay. And he also believed, uh, I think he was one of the, the people that went iron bad for fairies because of its healing properties. So it was thought that because it can heal us, it must be toxic to to vampires, to evil spirits, to malignant energies. And, and that sort of translated into iron bad for fairies. Um, but I mean, I grew up just believing that iron was, was uh, just like a, just put a hammer on magic, any kind of magic. Iron would just dissipate it. Yeah, I wonder if it's um, sort of a folk memory of a uh, transition period into the sort of metallurgy. Well, yeah, and that was association with with iron as being the um, harbinger of war and. Yeah, uh, well, and that was one of the theories that with with fairies being um, an ancient race of yeah. of beings. Um, iron is not so much painful to them, but frightening to them or. Yeah, be because that's just the it's symbol where we come of... away from our folk beliefs and start to believe in a new sort of new world order, if you will. Because it's funny we don't have the same association with bronze and yeah. tin, because they they came first. Britain is in Britain is unique in that it doesn't have a tin age, but there's tin ages in Europe. Yeah. But um, uh, the bronze age itself is 
not the the, the the turning point, if you will. It's almost like fairies could coexist with bronze, but once iron came along, it's a yeah. whole different story. It's really odd. I've, 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 I have actually, it's piqued my sort of curiosity as to why iron is considered an anti-supernatural being element. And uh, it's not just iron, it's very particularly cold iron. Hmm. And nobody knows for sure what that means. <laughs> they don't know if it means that it is cold in temperature, which I would imagine over on your side of the pond is a lot. <laughs> um, Always. Yeah, or if it's been like cold. Uh, uh, there, there's a way to work metal in, in just like a cold rolled steel. I don't know if there's like a cold rolled iron or something like that. Mm-hmm. So nobody has a def- definitive answer for what the hell it means for cold iron versus just iron in general. Mm. Um, but just to be safe, no iron. Yeah. Um, same with salt. If you're, although you're not likely to have salt by your doors and windows, uh, unless you live in a supernatural episode, it's just, you know, don't, don't put it around your doors and windows. It'll keep them out. Also side note, if you feel like you're being plagued by evil creatures of the fairy ilk, then a line of salt around your home outside your doors and windows is actually great protection. Mm-hmm. Now we come to the unfortunate moment if you step within a fairy circle. What's now, a fairy circle? <laughs> a fairy circle is this strange anomaly in which toadstools will form in a circle. Or sometimes even just stones formed in a circle. Whatever you do, if you see them, do not step within them. It's bad. They are portals to the fairy realm and you don't want to do it. Um, and they will try to entice you too. There, there are accounts. Um, I think the the yeah, sometime in the 1800s was when you were hearing more and more accounts of people being whisked away in uh, fairy from fairy circles, where you would walk. Uh, the gentleman would be walking and he sees this fairy circle and he goes, Oh no no, I know your bad news. And then suddenly her music and you hear yeah. voices and it's just the perfect kind of music just draws you closer to it and then. You've stepped into the fairy circle. You've lost, you just kind of lost all concept of where you are and you've stepped into the fairy circle and you've been whisked away. When you step into a fairy circle, time works differently. You could be gone for 20 minutes dancing with these fairies, but in real time, 60 years have passed. Yeah. People have almost gone to the gallows for murder because people have disappeared into fairy circles. Mm -hmm. And then reappeared decades later. Yes, that's a folks story from Wales. But, I mean, it's not, it's just understood, which is what Mm. I love so much about fairy lore. So much of it is is just, you don't need to even be told specific tales. It's just understood. Mm. You just don't do it. So, God forbid, you end up in the fairy circle, and now you're in the fairy world surrounded by fairies. They will be trying to give you gifts, be it a flower, a chocolatey fudge sponge cake, um, gold clothing, do not accept these gifts. No. One of the worst things you can do when encountering a fairy is to accept a gift for them from them, because then you owe them. You owe them for the rest of your life, and they can ask whatever they want of you, whenever they want, and you gotta do it, because you do not want a pissed off fairy. Do not eat or drink fairy food or fairy wine. 
It could be delicious. It looks so good and it will be delicious, so delicious that no human food will ever quite sate your appetite again. Side effects may include madness and death. There's also a very strong possibility that you will be trapped in the fairy realm for forever. Mm. Do not ever tell a fairy your full name. A name is power. Remember Rumpelstiltskin and just how even knowing his name devastated him and just ruined fucking everything? To know one's full name from a magical point of view is to be able to cast, reject, or control entirely that other person. Uh, someone said, apparently, the reason we have middle names is because the fairies cannot steal a child if they don't know the full name. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. doubt that's why we specifically have middle names. But... Yeah, me too, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like a very nice safeguard. And I it's just that. that, you know, there were just so many people named Timothy Shaw, Timothy Shaw Jr., Timothy Shaw Jr., Jr., Timothy Shaw Jr., Jr., Jr. So let's start giving them middle names so we can distinguish between which Tim Shaw this is. I don't yeah, know why yeah. Tim Shaw... Who the fuck is Timothy Shaw? It's just the name that came into my head. I was going to say, well, do you know a Tim Shaw? No. <laughs> do you know more than one Tim Shaw? Isn't Tim Shaw the, the guy with the teeth on his face in the new Doctor Who? Is that Tim Shaw? Teeth on his face? Have you seen the Jodie Whittaker? No, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. No. There's, there's a really gross baddie that has teeth, like, um, embedded in his skin. It is actually Ooh. messed up. Yeah. Nice. And I'm pretty sure that the way he pronounces his name, it's an alien name, but I think that people just keep, like, Jody keeps going, wait, Tim Shaw? <laughs> an alien assassin called Tim Shaw. I'm oh, sure Tim. Tim! Something like that. It's like Tim Shaw. <laughs> anyway. Nice. All right, and uh, last and final one, do not say thank you. Mm-hmm. Do not say thank you. So you're trapped in the fairy realm. You're having to, like, hold off on all these gifts. You just keep saying no, and, and they're starting to get really upset. Um, so you have to put on the extra politeness. you got to be extra sweet. Oh, that dress is absolutely stunning. Oh, I love your hair, because fairies are very prideful. So you want to throw out as many compliments as possible. It's the best way to buffer the no, please. Uh, no, I don't want to eat your things. No, I don't want your gold. But whatever you do, do not say thank you. Basically, thank you is another way for them to feel like you owe them. Right. Yeah, because you're implying that you're indebted. Exactly. Yeah. So don't do it. They'll jump on that in a heartbeat. Also, apparently, they think it's quite rude. No. Oh. They've just they've just offered you all of these things, and the best you can say is thank you. It's rude. Oh. So there's some do's and don'ts. One for your practical life and the rest for just in case you ever find yourself in a fairy circle. Just try and avoid it as, as best you can. Oh, so one that you can use in your daily life and uh, the other ones that, uh, you know, you use if you ever fall into a fairy circle, which you want to avoid as best you can. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Although, no, no actually, it sounds like a lot of fun. But yeah, then it's also loads of very fun. precarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's loads of fun that you'll never find your way out of. And you'll go mad. You'll go insane. One cannot dance for forever. Um, because when you're trapped in the fairy circle, it's believed that you just you're just dancing to music and, and it's there's some gruesome folk tales where the humans can't keep up with their immortal companions and they dance until their feet become bloody stumps. Oh dear. Yes. So do you not want that? You want your feet? 
I want your family. When I was a kid, I wanted to step into a fairy circle so bad. Oh. I wanted to find them and step in them and just run away and be with the fairies. Away with the fairies. Mm-hmm. That was all I wanted, but I couldn't find one because we're not wet enough to have consistent toadstools. So, my little ones, did you enjoy our fairy tales? If you did, please let us know. Leave us a review. Tell us your favorite tales. If you're like, hey, you you totally forgot about the Luan and she and the Gleistig and, and all these other fairies. And I'm looking at my list because I didn't get to talk about them. There's also um, fairies in Australia that I thought about doing, but I didn't. Bush, I have a, I have a really great Alaskan fairy I wanted to bring up, and I totally forgot. African fairies and Je- Japanese fairies. And there's yokai yeah. for that, but... <laughs> most of these topics we're going to circle back through yeah. over time so so we'll always get a chance to come back and so if you have something you want us to discuss if there's an aspect of something that you really want us to discuss we will totally make note of it and bring it up the next time this topic comes around so if any of that tickles your fancy and and all that stuff i said please leave shoot us an email at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear what you got to say if you have any topics you want us to throw onto our list please let us know you can also hit us up on our social medias such as twitter facebook and instagram at zombie fishbowl or zombie fishbowl podcast we're easy enough to find and um i just want to leave you with a quote from my favorite fairy artist as i have mentioned before brian froud check him out because his art's amazing like a lot of his paintings are you see that one fairy in the middle, and then if you look at the painting, you'll see like 50 other creatures just sort of integrated and hiding in, in, oh, just gorgeous. But his quote tonight is, Once upon a time, I thought fairies lived only in books, old folk tales, and the past. That was before they burst upon my life as vibrant, luminous beings, permeating my art and my everyday existence, causing glorious havoc. Oh, Lovely. Let fairies in, man. Belief in fairies... There's no harm that can come from believing in fairies. And if you actually put put it into practice, you'll find that your life just feels a little bit more magical. <laughs> Sorry, I can tell you you still work at Hallmark. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Let fairies in. You might find your life is just a little bit more magical. It's absolutely lovely. It's absolutely lovely. That was a genuine moment, you bastard. <laughs> I didn't write that or anything. It came right out of my head with love. It's like what I mean, you know, it is beautiful, but I cannot not laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, shall I pick a topic? <laughs> yes, pick us another topic, you bastard. Um, random topic picker, random topic picker. You're a random topic picker, and I'm gonna pick a topic. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're gonna like this one, Melanie. All right, lay it on me. <laughs> this one is a listener's request. A loyal, avid, and, you know, probably our number one fan, Vance. Yay! Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Getting biblical on here. Yeah, right before Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's do it. 
We'll each pick cool. a, we'll each pick two horsemen, I suppose. <laughs> so that's it. All right. So y'all pay attention to our social medias. We'll tell you what's going on for the later half of the year, or later half of the month. Um, give you some updates. And yeah. I love you. Oh my god. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I love you so much. You're so pretty. Oh god, I've got acid reflux. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll let you get on with your day and I will remind you not to panic. But I want to panic. I'm too tired to panic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>